Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Hey guys, this is Anna David and you are listening to Recover Girl. It's a podcast about addiction, recovery, mental illness at all. And I'm doing something new and audacious today. I've been kind of mixing it up lately. By the way, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. So glad you're here. If you're old to the podcast, which is not a grammatically correct sentence, have you reviewed? Because if you haven't, maybe you should. Apparently, all other podcasters mention this all the time, and I always forget to, but reviews definitely help other people find this podcast. And I'm, I mean, there are reviews, there are some, but we're kind of stuck at a certain number, and it's kind of been that way for a while. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know what, I really actually do like this podcast, that's why I'm listening to it. If you went and rated and reviewed, and if you don't subscribe yet, if you went and subscribed, that would just be awesome. Now, here's the audition. So anyway, I for a long, long time, I was just releasing this podcast every other week because that's all I had time to do. Then I thought, well, you know what I've got? I've got time to do short episodes every other week. So then I upped it to every week. Now I'm upping it even more. I mean, that's my goal. Who's, who? Let's hope I stick with it. But basically, I realized I have all sorts of things I can release as episodes. It doesn't have to be an hour-long interview with somebody. And so I have started releasing uh, snippets from my storytelling show. And now this is the very first one that I'm releasing. I've started to do Facebook Live interviews with people, with uh, mostly people in recovery, sort of luminaries in the recovery field, sometimes other people. And right now they're happening at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on my Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash Anna B. David. If you like that page, then you'll be notified when, when these are happening. But essentially, you can just also show up at 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Tuesdays, and you'll pretty much guaranteed I'm going to be doing this. So these interviews are great. And what's amazing about them is that they're with people that I would love to be having on the podcast, but because I've been such a sound snob and technophobe, I haven't ever interviewed people outside of LA. So I just decided to get the hell over that and do these Facebook Live interviews and strip the audio from that and make them into episodes. So if you are a sound snob, you maybe don't want to keep listening. If you are someone who's like, you know what, this I'm dying to hear what this guest has to say, then keep listening. I won't even know frankly. Uh, I'm terribly excited about this episode that I'm releasing because uh, I love this woman and I've had the great privilege of working with this woman lately. Her name is Kelly Fitzgerald. You may know her as 
the sober senorita. She uh, is a lovely girl who basically, short story is, she wrote this story about for her blog that had very few readers about uh, being sober for a year. And that blog just, that post just went crazy viral. Huffington Post picked it up, put it on their homepage, then translated it into multiple languages. And she just sort of launched it. That's what a that's what going viral is happened to her. Since then, she's uh, she's written for sites like Elite Daily, Ravishly, Thought Catalog. Uh, she wrote for me when I was at After Party Magazine. And she now hosts her own podcast and has a virtual coaching program. Her podcast is called Regroup. And uh, she, I have a coaching program for writers where I walk them through how to write and sell a book. And I'm actually gearing this up to be just for writers in recovery. Uh, and that can mean recovery from anything. It can mean recovery from illness, mourning, abusive childhood. We're all recovering from something and we all have stories to tell. That's what I've learned. And if you are listening to this at the appropriate time, aka when it's released, then you still have time to sign up for a free webinar that I'm doing on Sunday, September 10th at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. The easiest way for you to sign up for that is to go to AnnaDavidCoaching.com and you will get put on my list and then you will be invited to that webinar. And I highly recommend if you are in recovery from anything and you uh, want to share that story with the world um, or just find new ways of talking about it, I, I highly recommend attending the webinar. I did one of these webinars in February. Kelly attended. She signed up for my program, and now she's just finished her book proposal. We talk a little bit about that in here. Anyway, that is pretty much it. I hope you like this new this new and improved and sometime version of uh, Recover Girl. And uh, here we go with Kelly Fitzgerald. Hi, guys. I am here with Kelly Fitzgerald, the sober senorita. Hello. Look, isn't that so cool? It's awesome. So I don't know if you're here because you came from Kelly's page or you're just here on my page. But um, if you came from Kelly's page, I'm Anna David. I uh, write about addiction and recovery in sober almost 17 years, uh, written six books about it. Uh, I have a storytelling show about it. I have a workshop about it. Like essentially I have made every aspect of my life into material. And right now I'm helping, Kelly barely needs my help, but I'm helping Kelly do that completely. I need um, all your help. <laughs> so, and Kelly Fitzgerald is the sober senorita. She uh, sort of launched to internet fame really overnight with a piece that she wrote for, for the Huffington Post, or did you write it for your blog first? I wrote it through my blog first, and then it got picked up by the Huffington Post, surprisingly. Okay. That happened. So, so, so you get sober. How long have you been sober? Four years. Just celebrated four years in May of this year. Nice, nice. And so, you named your post, uh, your blog, "Sober Senorita." So, everybody, I think, assumed this is a, a girl in, um, in Mexico or a Mexican girl, and it turns out that she's an Irish girl named Kelly Fitzgerald, former name, now been married. Yeah. Um, 
last name. Uh, but no, it's just that you got sober in Mexico. Yes, that is the case. And I picked that name while I have to, I can't take credit for it. My sister made up that name uh, when I was living in Cancun abroad. I was sober eight months and I wanted to start a blog about living in Mexico slash being sober. And my sister came up with the sober senorita and I thought it was really cute and I went with it. And so you write this post. What was the post that went viral? What was it about? The post that went viral was called One Year Without Alcohol. That's what I titled it on my, my blog. Um, the Huffington Post then picked it up and changed the name to Seven Things I Learned During My Year Without Alcohol. Um, but I wrote it because I had reached one year sober and I wanted to celebrate that. Um, it was the very first post I ever wrote about being sober. I had started this blog at eight months sober, but I didn't really like talk about being sober. And I was kind of scared. I just talked about living in Mexico and things that I would do on the weekends and going to a wine and food festival and drinking the mocktails. But I never directly addressed being sober because I wasn't really sure what to say or if I was still going to be sober the next day. Um, so when I reached one year, I was like, okay, I'm going to write a post about it. Like, I'm super proud. I'm happy. I like really loving this sobriety thing. Um, and I wrote about all the things that I learned during my first year. And I put it out on my blog, which at that time probably had, I don't know, 10 readers or something. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I shared it on my, my uh, personal Facebook page. I didn't have a Facebook page for Sober Senorita at that time yet. Um, and I got a lot of feedback just from my personal family and friends, and I guess people shared it. And then I got an email from the Huffington Post. Um, I'm trying to remember it was the same day or the day after I, I published it. Um, but I just remember I was at work um, at my nine to five job at the time where I was writing, blogging, and doing social media for a group of hotels in Cancun, receiving an email from the Huffington Post. And I wasn't sure if it was real or not. And I was like, okay, this this email says, we want to republish your post. It's really great. Um, will you let us? And I'm like, okay. And all my coworkers were like reading the email with me. I'm like, is this for real? Is this real life? I don't know. What should I write back? And they were like, yeah, just, just say yes. It's awesome. It's so cool. So I was like, okay. So I said yes. And they republished it. And it went boom. <laughs> Did they put it on their homepage? <clears throat> They put it on their homepage. They shared it on their Facebook page, which I think gave it an extra viral yeah. <laughs> push. And and then it ended up getting picked up by other outlets. And the Huffington Post actually translated it into five different languages. So it's been published on their sites in Korea, in France, in Quebec, um, all different places, Mexico and Spain. It's crazy. Well, I'm glad that they translated it into Spanish. That should have yes. been first thing. And Kimber wants to tell you that she's really happy to see you smiling today. Oh, good. Yes. Yes. I've been sharing with my followers what's been going on in my personal life as well. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, we were talking about it a little bit pre, uh, pre live launch and really yeah. about those, uh, those peaks and valleys that come in sobriety and in life and how, uh, you know, the sort of the choice to be upset or to assume that everything is supposed to happen the way it is. Right. Uh, 
and Kelly and I were just saying that looking back, it's always clear the things, you know, that something better always came along. It's just so hard to endure that space in between. It really is. And that's what I'm learning today. And there's always a new lesson to be learned. That's for sure. I, I don't know if you've ever heard that. Uh, I always malign this tale, but it's uh, about the guy and he's got a son and this and his horse runs away. And everyone's like, that's terrible that your horse ran away. And he says, good, bad, who knows? And then the next day the horse comes back and everyone's like, how good the horse came back. And he said, good, bad, I don't know. The next day the son, hold on, it's not that much longer. The son rides the horse and he breaks his leg. And everyone says, God, that's so bad. The son, how terrible for your son. And he says, good, bad, I don't know. And then the next day everybody gets drafted and has to go off to war. And the son doesn't because he uh, broke his leg. And so the never know. There's no such thing as good or bad news. It's all just things that happen. It's so true. And I have never heard that before, actually. Well, maybe if you repeat it, you can actually tell it right, because I'm sure I screwed it up. But I but I love That's it. Right. Yeah. Um, so so here's my question. You had a you had a blog called The Sober Senorita and you weren't necessarily writing about being sober because you didn't know if you were going to stay sober. Yep. So that's <clears throat> sort of counterintuitive. Yeah. I so. I don't know if it was so much as I, I I wanted to stay sober. I think it was in my head, but I was like, ooh, what if I don't? I don't know. I mean, at that time, I was like, I yeah, I created the blog and I named it Sober Senorita, but I was like, no one's really reading this. Like, I could always, like, shut it down if I need to. It's just, it, it just started as something fun, like, that my it was funny because my coworkers that I worked with, they were like, oh, your blogs for work are always so funny. And like you do the listicles really well. And if you're so good at that stuff, you should start your own blog. And so it, it's funny how they said that. And then I was like, OK, Sober Senorita, it's fine. But I didn't really think it would go anywhere. I didn't think it would blow up into what it is today and take me to where I am now. For sure. Because okay, I think there are a lot of people out there that are sober or not sober, but they want to write about their life. Uh, and they want pe- more than their mother and friends to read it. What do you think it is that you put in that piece that caused its great success? I think about that question a lot because I still am flabbergasted at the fact that it happened. Um, I go back and read it a couple times a year just to see why, or maybe, maybe see if I could do it again someday, or I don't know. Um, I think, I think it was very raw. I think it was very real. I think it was relatable. Everyone that has messaged me about it and shared it and commented about it said that they felt that too, that they related to it in some way that they saw themselves in the words that I wrote. Um, so I guess in that way it was like kind of emotional and I cried writing it and reading it when it was published and it was very heartfelt. So I think it kind of touched people in that way. Right. And maybe something too about the year that seems surmountable to people rather than, you know, I'm sober. I've been sober for however long. There's something about, I did this for a year that feels like something that's more attainable. Right, and I think in the terms of addiction and recovery at that time, I wasn't calling myself an alcoholic. I wasn't identifying as being in recovery. I was like in this in-between, still trying to figure it out. And I think that was more relatable to people as well because there's so many people that don't know if they want to call themselves an alcoholic or if they're 
in that category or if they should just be sober for a year or that kind of stuff. So I think in that way, it was relatable as well. Here, by the way, Tori saying hi. Let's have her say hi. hi. Um, you know, in terms of that thing about sort of ca trying to capture lightning in a bottle with how things are successful or not, in terms of writing, you know, I've never actually had something go viral, but I will say the, the essay I wrote that that published as a modern love in the New York Times, I spent maybe 45 minutes writing it. And I've spent hours and hours uh, writing other things that have not been published on super random sites. But for some reason, I don't know what it is that bizarre, that bizarre sort of magic that ha can happen that people are going to relate. Right. And it's like the right place, the right time, the right time of year. I don't know, like, just was a good time, good timing, right place, right, right time. Oh, and let's, let's put Noel's comment up there. He's, he's my email pal. Cool. Um, of sharing sobriety somewhere, there's always someone that can relate. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about you in terms of the emails that you get. That's something that, um, that I almost, I never take it for granted but the number of emails that, you know, that I'll get as a result of the podcast or, or things that I write, do, what do you do? What kinds of emails do people send you? I get all kinds of emails and Facebook messages and uh, Instagram messages and Instagram comments and Facebook comments. Um, I would say most of them are people looking for advice on how to get sober or wanting to know if they should stop drinking. They're in that in-between wondering if they've pushed the limit enough where they should try sobriety. Um, they Or they wanna know questions about me specifically, like how did I do it? Why did I do it? What was I thinking at that time? To kind of relate it to their own situation. Um, I get, do get some questions about loved ones of, of from loved ones of people who are drinking. Um, they wanna know how they can support their loved one that kind of stuff. Uh, I could also could just get messages that say, you inspired me to quit drinking a year ago and here I am today and it's my one year anniversary, thank you. And those always make me cry and make me so grateful. And I just think it, they're all amazing. And I, I try to write back to as many of them as I can, but there are a lot. There are a lot. Yeah, I, I uh, absolutely respond to all of those emails. You know, I've helped, uh, you know, people find rehabs. I have, um, I, I, there was a guy who was emailing me and I thought at first that he was super shady and he was like, I want to get a meeting, blah, blah, blah. And I met him at a meeting, hooked him up with my guy friend. He's been sober for years. Now my friend is now his sponsor. That's so, so awesome. And then actually yeah. one time, this has only happened one time I shared in a meeting. And so this guy came up to me afterwards and he's like, I listened to your podcast. And I go, how did you know it was me? Cause your voice, I just knew it. Um, but I find those emails so incredibly touching and, yes. um, you know, and I don't think people know how much they mean when they're sent. Um, right, exactly. Um, speaking of nice things, let's put Gilton up on the screen, leave <laughs> that one up, especially because he added a, you know, a rabbit in part. <laughs> so, and, um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm a narcissist, so I'm sad. <laughs> Off, but I'm going to replace with uh, Lauren, who's so proud of Kelly. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Best. And so I begrudgingly will allow the client to do that. 
as long um, as there's one for each of us. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't put them side by side. So, so how has your life changed as a result of you starting to write about your recovery and sort of becoming somebody that people email about it? Um, my life has changed in every way. I mean, starting the blog, it, it has given me jobs. It has given me friends. Um, we were just talking about receiving emails. It, it That took me to 12-step in general because I w- did not go to 12-step for my first year of sobriety. I moved um, back to the United States from Mexico, and I had a reader who I was emailing back and forth with who lives in the current town that I live in, and she invited me to go to a 12-step meeting with her, which I never had before, and she went with me and we met, and uh, that's how I got involved with the local 12-step here. Um, and besides that, I've been contacted for writing jobs, freelance, my full-time job that I sadly just lost last week, um, was through all through my blog, um, all through my writing. Um, I've made a career out of it, which is amazing. And I, I never thought that I would be able to say that. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. It's, and we met as a result. So yeah, our history is, I think what happened is I found your writing and then we were in communication. And then when I was at After Party, we did uh, the 10 Best Sober Blogs. Yes. And then we met in DC. Yes. Yeah. And I actually read After Party during my first days and months of sobriety. It really helped me reading all the funny articles on After Party. Oh, that's I mean, we must have launched right when you got sober. Really? Yeah, that's I think that's what you told me before. I think it was right around that time. Because I remember reading After Party, The Fix and Sober Nation were the ones that I was reading, like my first year of sobriety. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the articles being funny, that has always sort of been my philosophy is you you trick people into trying to save their lives. You know, you think you make them think they're being entertained, but really you're trying to deliver information that saved you. So exactly. I love that. And so, okay, so let's talk about, so um, I get to work with you directly right now um, because you're in my writer's coaching program. And that's that's really fun. I was so happy. I remember it started with you telling me you were going to be on the webinar. Maybe I saw that you were registered for the webinar. And I was like, I think she applies. And then you did. And now we're coming to the end of it. Yes, I can't believe it. I know. So we started it, I guess, in February. And the way this coaching program works is I take 10 writers at a time and walk them through the process of first first writing essays, creating their blogs, getting well-known. Kelly already had that wired and actually helped a number of the other students in the, in the course for that. And then through the various you know sections of a book proposal. And then in the end, which we're coming up on, one of those 10 gets a meeting with a, a literary agent and a publisher. So uh, how has that process been for you? You, ha- you? you can tell me if it's been incredibly frustrating. Oh, no, it's been great. I've learned so much stuff. I enjoy all of the calls that we have. I enjoy all of the, the documents that you get share with us so that we can help follow along. I love my writing partner, Aubrey. I have to give her a shout out. <laughs> that no, you pair- watching. Aubrey, if you're watching, come on. <laughs> Um, that you paired me with and you knew that we would get along and, and she has become like one of my closest friends that I actually like call for stuff that's not even related to writing. Oh, I didn't um, know that. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I had always thought about writing a book and my readers have been asking me for over a year, 
when are you going to write a book? We want to read a book. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is like something I could actually do. Um, and so when your writing program came about, I was like, this is perfect. I love Anna's work. Um, I know her. Um, it was right after my wedding. It was the perfect timing. So I knew I had to apply and I, need, I knew I needed help um, figuring out the whole process because I had no clue what I was doing in terms of a book proposal. Um, so I've learned so much. I feel like I actually like you made that goal obtainable for me. So I'm really grateful. Um, and I can't wait to for our last call this month. And this whole month, I'm going to be concentrating on finishing my proposal. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, that was um, you. I think you knew a lot more than you realized you did. And I think that that's, that's the thing is that and, and that's what's been really exciting for me about this coaching program is that every single person has totally risen to the occasion. I, I assumed half the people would drop out. You know, I assume every month when everybody's on the call, I'm shocked. And every single one of you is so good. That is not really what I expected. And, and you've been, you know, because you and Aubrey a little bit have been a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of what you'd already accomplished. So you're able to sort of guide the other people. And it's good getting other people's feedback and seeing um, everyone else's processes and what they do and what they publish on their blogs and that kind of stuff. It's really nice. You know, it's not, I don't feel like I'm comparing, but just seeing what everyone else does. I felt like it was something I only thought about myself previously. So it's nice to be able to share that with others. Well, let's just say it's kind of like a meeting where you think you're the person suffering from some particular feeling and then you see some person you don't think you relate to sharing that exact feeling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. We need uh, meetings too. We, right. we meet online and we have that little private Facebook group. But I think I think that's really important. And I think also, as you mentioned, the accountability. Uh, yeah. Can you speak to that for people who want to be writers, who want to write books? How important is that to have somebody that you're accountable to? It's so important. It keeps me... <laughs> It keeps me going. I think it becomes very easy if you're only by yourself to be like, oh, I'll do it later or I'll do it tomorrow or um, I'm doing okay. Like, I don't need to do that today. I do that to myself all the time. And I still do it even with accountability partner. But she calls me and she texts me and I can post in the group when I'm feeling certain things. Um, and it helps me. It helps me keep going. It helps. And breaking up all of the stuff that we've been learning into separate months with different tasks. Um, it really made it, made it feasible for me and easier and, and not so overwhelming. Um, and it, it makes it easier for me to be accountable. Yeah, I think that that was something that, you know, I always credit sobriety and, and actually 12 step a little bit for the fact that I was able to write books at all, because my whole life I was like, I want to write a book. I remember seeing the Guinness Book of World Records when I was seven years old and the youngest book author was six. And I remember being depressed. That's how long <laughs> and how ambitious I was. That That's I awesome. Not just write a book, but in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the youngest one. And, you know, from that time until I wrote my first book when I was in my, you know, I think 30, I uh, kept saying, well, I, I can't write a book. And then I got sober and I was like, well, wait a minute. I can write a few pages a day. I could do one day at a time. And actually, if you write three pages a day, you're going to have, I'm not a mathematician, but I think it's like nine months. You're at the, out, at the longest, you're going to have a book. Yeah. So I think that people, what would you say to people who want to do that, want to take their experiences, who've had super interesting life experiences and want to be able to put their writing out there? What would you tell them? 
I would say do a program like you have. It has helped me so much. Um, I, even just the chapter summaries and the chapter outlines, I already know how many chapters I'm going to have in my book, an epilogue, and like what's going in each chapter. So that in itself makes it so much easier because now I, I felt like before when I would start thinking about writing a book, like, oh, I don't know, I'll just start writing. And it's like a, a bunch of random paragraphs and it doesn't make any sense. So having that structure really helps. And I, I think that anyone can do it. And I mean, there's people at all writing levels in our group um, and who don't have much experience and others who have a lot of experience. So I think that it helps. I think the structure and having someone guide you is totally worth it. Yeah. Anybody watching, I did not pay Kelly to say that. She said that on her own volition. Um, but it's been, it's been super motivating for me to work with such an awesome group. I, so, so I wanted to speak to this idea that in the last three years, really you're a part of it, the way recovery has gone so mainstream. There are, I have a list. I know of at least 60 sober blogs. Wow. It's crazy. Why do you think it is that suddenly this is something that everybody's coming out about? Well, I think number one, the internet is like where it's at nowadays and people are really taking advantage of social media and blogging and writing online. But I also love the fact that people are writing about recovery because it is becoming cool. Um, I think I wrote an article for After Party, something like yeah, okay. sobriety is cool again or now or whatever. Um, and I think that, you know, authenticity is becoming cool and it's how people are learning to move through the world. Being honest feels good. Um, being authentic is a relief, especially when it comes to sobriety and recovery. And, and it's the best way to uh, heal and also help others is passing on the message, right? And all I have to do is be honest about what's happening in my life, even when I'm having a bad day, which someone already commented about, which I shared about on Instagram yesterday in the last few days that I've been feeling a little sad and um, that, you know, I show them that sobriety isn't all rainbows and butterflies, but it's pretty great most of the time. And and I, I it makes me so happy that other people are doing the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think you've been a, a huge part of that inspiration for other people. It's um, so what do you tell people? You know, obviously, right now we are in the midst of the worst opiate epidemic uh, that the world has ever seen. I think it's 52,000 people died last year as a result of opiates. What do you tell people who, um, who are concerned about loved ones who are struggling with that themselves? What can the, what can be shared? That, that is why it's so important for us to share our sobriety right there, that what you just said, because we need to show people that we can recover from this, whether it, it's drinking, whether it's heroin use, whether you're taking pills, there is another life available and being sober, and that's a lifestyle that anyone can have <clears throat> and that people don't have to die. Um, I myself am trying to educate myself as much as I can about about this current opioid epidemic um, and, you know, providing resources for people. I try to tell people, you know, that those deaths aren't in vain. And that's like why I'm doing what I'm doing um, and why we as people in recovery have that responsibility to to speak up, to show people that we can get sober, that they don't have to live in the darkness, whether they're still using 
whether they need help um, or whether they're in recovery. And that's why we have to talk about it. And we have to break the stigma and we have to break these stereotypes of people thinking that addicts are just people that live under bridges and have needles sticking out of their arms. Um, no, there's so much more to it. There's the addiction affects people of every race and creed and um, economic, socioeconomic class. So we need to speak out and show them that this is true and that, that, you know, recovery is an option and that treatment is available. And like, like for myself, I, I had no idea that I could have benefited from addiction treatment in my situation. Now I wasn't using opioids at the time of getting sober, but I did take painkillers when I was drinking in my past. Um, and I could have gone down that r route. I don't know why I didn't. Um, but I had no idea that it was available for someone like me. I thought I had the stereotypes in my head. An alcoholic is someone who lives under a bridge and, and has a paper bag filled with beer and it's an old white guy or whatever. So that's why I talk about this. That's why I say, yeah, it happened to me. And yes, I'm sober. And yes, I'm in recovery. To, um, so people, you didn't think, you didn't think your problem was sort of bad enough for you. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I did go to treatment and so many of the people that I know now did not. Most of my sober friends actually did not. And now I'm doing a program where I'm going into treatment centers and I'm working with, uh, I'm, I'm working with an all-female treatment center right now, sort of teaching the, them how to write essays and then how to perform them. Like, cause I, I actually have a storytelling show that's in LA. I've yeah. People perform their uh, most drunken and debaucherous. Uh, we make them into hilarious or touching stories. And it's really interesting to, to see what, what people in treatment are like now, as opposed to when I was there in 2000, it's really, really different. It's really unsurprisingly about opiates and, um, it's it's really it's really dark right now. Yeah, it really is. Um, okay, here I'm going to put up some other comments. Heidi uh, is inspired by you every day, Kelly and um, and Tori would be so excited to read the book that you've written. And I do want to tell people, by the way, if you are interested in the program that is helping Kelly uh, with her book, not that she needs much help from me. This is. The URL. Oh, oh God. It's not going to work. Uh, I, oh, Kelly, you will admit that I was super tech savvy up until this point. Yes, yes. I, I was surprised that you were able to do this whole thing with the Be Live and everything. I know, I know. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not giving up. Um, okay, if you are interested in this, wait, hold on. I'm going to do something and don't get freaked out. Hold on. Do not to get freaked out, and I was right, right? Here I yeah. am. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. So anyway, if you're interested in this program, you can always email me, um, Anna at AnnaDavid.com, because I am launching it again really soon, in two months, with uh, a group of new students. So, you know, my my philosophy about it all is that anybody, uh, anybody who's had an interesting life experience has a book in them. And... I think a lot of people struggle with like, oh, my life isn't that interesting. And why would anybody care about me? It's like, well, I'll tell you something. My life isn't that interesting. And I've made it into six books and like hundreds of articles. So yeah, it's yeah. possible. Um, 
So anything else, we got to get close to wrapping up. What else would you like people to know, people who are struggling, people who are thriving, anything? Gosh, Gosh. if you're you're struggling, I just want to say that there's another way to live, um, that we're we're a living proof and that, you know, sobriety is fun and it can be exciting and fun and happy and you can live a great life, um, even if it's hard some days and hard at the beginning. Um, and other than that, I just want to say what I've been doing lately, um, which is I just started a podcast. What? I didn't know that. Yes. Well, so it's called regroup and this is basically the first time I'm kind of like announcing it, which I asked my partner who is Carly Benson of miraclesarebrewing.com. She and I. Exclusive here on the, on the Facebook live. Okay. Regroup. Yes, Regroup Podcast, and we'll be talking about all things recovery and life, not just recovery, um, just how we regroup after we experience something that might have been a setback for us, whether that's addiction, whether that's shame, guilt, abuse of some kind, or just everyday life experiences like getting laid off from your job. So week, but we have some episodes available, um, and I'll let everyone know what day that is soon. Um, Besides that, also with Carly, I'm doing the Bloom Club, which is a subscription-based recovery club where we do online live classes, and we talk about strictly all things sobriety and recovery and help people get sober. Um, We also do a book club in that group. Um, and you can find out more info about that at thebloomclub.com. Here, I'm going to put um, it up. Hold on. Yeah. Um, thebloomclub.com. Here, I, whoa. Okay, I got it on. Um, I just did a quick Google. I got it on Carly's site. You can get it cool. there. Um, yeah. And so in, uh, you were breaking up. Is the podcast available now? It will be available early next week, I believe. We just have to pick a day for it to be released, but we have episodes ready, and we just got the final artwork and theme song from our podcast editor, so we're moving along. Nice. And you, we have a sort of tentative plan, which you may not even know about, for you to come on my podcast, because I remember you mentioned in the fall. When are you going to be here? I'm going to be there in February of 2017, or 2018, excuse me. Who is an organized sober senorita? I only know that because I'm attending a friend's wedding. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I know I definitely will be there. And uh, speaking of uh, calling you sober senorita, what is our amazing title that we came up with for your book? Oh my gosh. From Party Chica to Sober Senorita. Yes. So if you want um, to find out more about. Um, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to get better at this. More about Holly, you can go to her blog, her very popular blog, Sober Senorita. And um, my internet's being a little bit slow. I find Senorita, the word, a little bit hard to spell, but not everybody has as much trouble with other languages. That is the URL. And again, if you want more information about my coaching program, because I am opening it up again, and if you think you have a book in you, well, you can just go to AnnaDavidCoaching.com or you can email me, Anna, at AnnaDavid.com. And Kelly, thank you so, so, so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I can't wait to see your book proposal. And anybody uh, watching this, I am now doing Facebook Lives every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 o'clock 
Pacific Standard Time. So I hope you will tune in again. Oh, and one more thing. Um, I'm also doing a Mindful Thinking for Recovery workshop September 17th. All the info is on my website, SoberSeniorita.com. Okay, go ahead. You have a lot going on. Okay, Kimber, <laughs> Tina, everybody who's thank here, Noel, Noel, thank you so much for watching and um, we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you.